0: Hello, everyone. This week, we have been getting a couple of questions from our listeners. So we decided to take um, this time and do a little mini episode or mini-sode as we're calling it (laughs) to address some of the questions from our listeners. So some of these topics could be blown definitely into an entire episode. So we're going to try our best to just do a rapid fire answer and then take a couple of these and maybe expand them into full episodes. Do let us know if you are interested in any of these topics that we discussed today. I'm Haley. This is Ashley.
1: We are Whole Cluster Conversation.
0: up from a long time listener, first time (laughs) ride in, as I like to say, this person um, has grapes growing in their yard and is curious about knowing when the grapes are ready to be harvested and made into the wine. And if we have any tips on that small homemaking wine scale.
1: Yeah, I think that um, I can take that one on. There's A couple of things you want to do when you're getting ready to harvest. You want to make sure your grapes, um, well, first you want to decide what style of wine you're making. Are you making a red wine? Are you making a white wine? Are you making a rosé? And then um, go to your local homebrew store and they should have like literally cheat sheets so that you have almost a recipe to follow. Um, and they'll help you decide when you're ready to pick. If you don't have the right equipment to, to figure out like what your sugar levels are or your acid levels, which is what we do um, in the industry, typically you can taste them and kind of teach yourself how to taste uh, when they're ready. Mm-hmm. But um, that's kind of my, my, my tip is go into your home, local homebrew shop or find someone else that's, that's um, making wine in their home, because they might have some tips and tricks. And then um as far as winemaking on the home scale, like you know, a couple gallons at a time, you just want to make sure that you keep um keep everything really clean. Mm. Don't use bleach um when you're cleaning. <laughs> and um what should they use instead? Uh you can get a couple different things at that homebrew shop. Okay. Um, um I'm Forgetting the names that they give them, we use uh we use like a some people in the wine industry use like a citric acid rinse, yeah, um, and we use a parasitic acid rinse, okay. Um, but yeah, there's a couple different things you can use, and homebrew shop will definitely help you with that. But um, yeah, keep things clean. Try once you're done fermenting, mm-hmm. try to get your wine into a vessel so that there's no headspace. Um, mm-hmm. if you're gonna age it for a while. Um, and then bottle it as soon as you can because that's going to be a safer place for the wine to age that, rather than like in an open container.
0: And put it in a place that is safe in case it does explode because I've heard <laughs> yes. horror stories of homebrew and exploding bottles. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Haley. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a topic we'll we'll definitely dive into. Right, I um, think it would be a fun one to do. So the next, or how about you ask the next question?
1: Yeah. Can you, uh, how about explain our name to our listeners? We got a couple people that were a little confused about our name.
0: Yeah. So a whole cluster conversation is kind of, I guess, a pun on, a whole cluster fermentation, which is a process of winemaking when you use, you take the whole parts of the grape and you put everything in, um, in the winemaking process. And so we really like that name because that's kind of what we're striving to do here is to take like all the different aspects of winemaking, and just talk about them and go into them and kind of ferment <laughs> on them a little bit more. And so, that's, if you have topics that range anywhere in like
1: winemaking or wine growing, you could pitch them to us. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Another little because we pitch yeast, yeah,
0: I like that. so that's kind of that's where that kind of name evolved out of was just our a, our our want to just go through all the different mm-hmm. aspects of winemaking
1: we a uh, funny little um tit, uh, tidbit about our we we almost called it the three Lees
0: mm-hmm. because
1: um Lees are like a byproduct of winemaking. um and my middle, well, so so there's Haley. Ashley mm-hmm. and Yukaya Lee. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: that was kind of fun, and the whole cluster conversation though, definitely huge thank you to Josh Chang because I think he kind of he came up with that, and we yeah. totally took it and ran with it.
0: <laughs> and uh, if you're wondering who Josh Chang is, go listen to our second episode wine photography where we, uh, yeah, talk about wine photography. So. Yeah. Plus, Lee's was a little too deep of a cut. Is kind yeah. of some uh, <laughs> some people's comments or yes. feedback.
1: So completely. So I want to know because this is something that I get from a lot of friends when I explain mm-hmm. the podcast and that there's two of us and that you're an ecologist. What can we do? Um, and a lot of my friends and family want to know what can we do as farmers or growers to be good to our waterways. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I mean I know there's this could be you know,
0: we've had a conversation, right? Like,
1: like we could, so like, why don't you give us kind of like, two, maybe three highlights?
0: Yeah, I think. Let's, let's see. I think some of I'm just gonna pull the first things that come out of my head. (laughs) Perfect. So uh, for some reason, buffers came into my head. And so I think having some sort of buffer so that whatever farming practice you're doing,
1: um, Mm -hmm. if
0: you have a wetland or a stream, having at least a 10, 15 foot buffer of vegetation between that stream waterway and the practices you're doing would be awesome uh, just to help filter out any pollutants. Um, And I think water conservation is probably a good one for your neck of the woods. And so just thinking about your irrigation system and thinking about ways that you can have the water that you are and you're not you know over utilizing it because mm-hmm. you know that's going to cost you money too because especially in your neck of the woods if you're pulling out of a well and stuff like yeah. the more water you're taking you know you're paying for that too in right multiple different ways because <laughs> <So>, um, <laughs> that will you know also if you're using too much water then you're going to have erosion issues which plays into your soil. So, I think mm-hmm. those are some some main very big picture concepts that farmers can be thinking about awesome and benefiting themselves as well as their waterways. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so our next question. um, I just realized like we're not saying who is saying these questions, but that's okay. Everyone's anonymous today.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We figured that it was probably good to... Yeah, just in case anybody was like, I didn't want you to say my name put it out there in the ether. (laughs) Yeah.
0: So if you guys do submit questions in the future, let us know if you want us to use your name or not. If you don't say it, we'll just not use your name. Yes. Um, So the next question is, how do people choose what varieties to plant when they are planting a new site or in an emerging region? And I know that's something you did, Haley, a little bit. Yeah.
1: We did. When we planted our site at Finca Basada, we, we, well, first we said, what do we make wine out of that Mm -hmm. it would be nice to buy from our estate vineyard rather than buying from somebody else? Um, So that was Chardonnay and Syrah. Okay. And then we said, do we want to plant a a little bit of something and see if it does well here? So we went to our nursery and we said, here's our ideas. We um, are in a hot, dry, growing climate that gets cold in the winter. Mm -hmm. Do you have any kind of fun varietals that you think we should try out? And they sent us like a book. (laughs) (laughs) And so we kind of went through that and we narrowed it down because my mom said, I want to plant basically like heirloom varietals. I feel like that's an easy way to narrow down this huge list. So um, that was also how we chose the different clones for our Syrah and our Chardonnay. And then, um, you know, that helped us narrow down from the list of 500 varietals to a handful, probably more like 20. And we just kind of went through and decided what is drought tolerant Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: what is cold hardy. Um, And we found a Croatian varietal, Malvasia Bianca, that we
0: know,
1: uh, we don't know if anyone in Idaho is growing. We think we're the first people, but it's very possible that we're not Mm because there is a lot of, growing, going on that we don't, you know, have a super good pulse on. Mm -hmm. So I think that the way that people choose varietals though are, um, there's kind of, um, a couple veins in that question. One is if you're going to be making wine, Mm -hmm. uh, you definitely want to think about what sells. So Mm -hmm. if you're in a region where, um, everyone is making Cabernet Sauvignon, Mm -hmm. that would be an easy like, oh, hey, I have a a new vineyard site and we have cab planted, you guys make cab, you should buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, So that's, you think about the marketing side. Then you think about like what will grow well in your climate. And then you think about your water availability. So in oh, a place yeah. like the Willamette Valley, um, a lot of places are what we call dry farms. So they're not mm. dry, but but you don't necessarily have irrigation. So if yeah. you don't have irrigation, you might want to plan your planting differently and um, choose your varietals differently.
0: So the next one's a fun one. This person actually (laughs) uh, sent in a photo to go with the question. And so uh, I think we'll put that photo up on our socials so you guys can all check that out. But um, this person, she said we could use her name. Amber just (laughs) purchased a house that has a very large grapevine. She's not quite sure what kind it is, but we looked it over and we we're pretty sure it's a Concord grape, yep. which is like table grapes. But I was reading you can you can use them for wine. But oh, yeah. Anyways, so just purchased a house with a large grapevine that is obstructing a sidewalk. Is it possible for me to retrain the vine? And like I said, looking at the, the picture, yeah. Um, it looks like she would want to train it like pretty far back. There's like a large main stem going with like no sucker, no nothing coming off no that. No green tissue. Thank you. Yeah. And so it looks like you she'd want to take it ideally way back. So mm-hmm. what are some suggestions, Haley? <laughs>
1: yeah. We um, actually talked about this a little bit before because you called me while you were with Amber taking the picture. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> um. So, what I would suggest is uh, you can kind of do it in a couple ways. One is you can just chop it off, and so that your sidewalk is not obstructed, and mm-hmm. leave the main part of the trunk, and hope see if any suckers come out next year. Mm-hmm. If you like, uh, you know, grapevines aren't the most expensive plants, so if if it doesn't work, you can pull out the trunk and the roots and uh, plant a new vine there if you really want grapevines. Or if you don't want to kill it because it has significance to your family, you know, if you didn't just buy the house and <laughs> it came with it, um, but it has some sort of significance and you want to try to save the vine, then I would suggest this winter pruning all of the new tissue, the the new scion growth that's up um, in the the canopy area way mm. back and then, as the vine starts to wake up, hopefully, some of the dormant buds that are closer to the trunk um, and the root area mm-hmm. will actually start to to break because the plant is is getting kind of some stress signals because so much of the scion has been um, uh, taken down. Okay. So, if that's the case, then you'll have kind of that new tissue that you can then train in a better uh, formation for your sidewalk.
0: <laughs> with with these really like large or older um vines we, i mean she obviously doesn't know how old this one is but I was just even thinking people that might have some older vines like mm-hmm. how easy is it like is it pretty typical that there could be bud break you know or you know, oh. break down at the bark later? Right. Or is there a certain point in the life cycle of the vines? That it's like, that's just never really gonna happen.
1: I'm not sure what the likelihood is and if it becomes less likely, but I do know that even old vineyards, mm-hmm. suckering it is does like happen. something you do every year. And it okay. might not be as as bad like once you have a well-trained vineyard like maybe it gets less so but you still go through every year and sucker so there is kind of the hope that the the or the the roots kind of have that going on and they'll send up some suckers and she can retrain those
0: cool well with that I think that's a a good place to stop and uh, it's been fun doing some rapid fire questions so keep those coming Please,
1: it's been really fun. We'll keep doing these mini sods as we get them. Um, I know that we have a lot of new um, listeners, so we'd like to let everybody know it helps us a ton if you can subscribe or review our podcast on your favorite platform. And of course, share it with people that you think might um, enjoy it. Feel free to download it to your mom's Uh, uh, playlists or um, whatever platform she uses (laughs) (laughs) or husbands Um, yeah (laughs) and some of the topics we're thinking about talking about in the next couple weeks are fall plantings uh Uh, oh no we did that last week (laughs) Uh, we switched some things around Um, you know things that are happening in the winery around this time of year I think we will find a place to put in home winemaking and some tips and tricks that I I maybe can give um, for more of that if you have questions about those topics or any other topics you're interested in hearing us discuss please email them in you can reach us at wholeclusterconversation at gmail.com
0: Thanks again for joining us for another episode of Whole Cluster Conversation.
1: Music provided by Michael Johnson of Grand Falconer.
0: Audio production provided by our friend Ukiah
1: Bogle. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you like to listen. Ciao.